Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. From the hip. Now, I have to remember it's hip, not hips, because you swing from the hip. Where we aim to bring you a view of the cricketing world from a grassroots level on a weekly basis. Joining me for the show will be Taryn Nathula and Rohit Ranshod. Taryn is a leg spinner, handy lower order batter, and has played domestically for Auckland Central Districts and Northern Districts. He played five ODI matches for the Black Caps, his debut being in 2012 against Zimbabwe, up in Whangarei, which I believe is Cobham Oval. Rohit, Rohit played club cricket in Auckland, with appearances for Grafton and the Prems, or as it was known back then, the first grade team, as their wicketkeeper batsman. He's a self-confessed cricket nut and armchair critic, aren't we all? You can find him regularly parked up in front of the TV watching cricket when COVID-19 allows. Cause he has no kids and a very understanding wife. So welcome <laughs> to Rohit, welcome to Taryn, welcome to Swinging from the Hip. Thanks, Ashwin. Cheers, mate. Right, so just to just show the, the viewers that we're getting in and um, we'll watch it um, on podcasts, etc. later. Just a few questions here so you can get to know Rohit and Taran a bit better. Um, just pop in with your answers, guys, so I won't go in with any sort of um, ceremony or anything here. But um, basically, what are your connections to cricket in terms of how did you get started? You want to go start, Rohit? You want me to start? Not a problem. My connection to cricket. How did I get started? Well, as a youngster, I think I was born with a cricket bat and ball in my hand, actually, because I was uh, early started in cricket. And um, school days at primary school, I was always wanting to play cricket out in the field. I think I went to school just to play cricket. I cricket. <laughs> pretty much. Um, and uh, as soon as I hit five, I joined my first club. Mighty Eden uh, Roskell, I'll throw in there. Forgot that. Yeah, Mighty yep. Eden Roskell, absolutely. <laughs> Darren, so how that, did you get into how did you get into cricket, mate? Um, well, we didn't really have much of a choice. I was born in India, um, and as most Indians uh, tend to do with their upbringing, there is a little bit of cricket here and there in the background. Followed by going to school where you don't have much of a choice. So cricket is probably the only sport that was played. But that probably wasn't um, why I got into cricket. It was just, uh, it's just something I think I just fell in love with during the 92 World Cup. And it just kind of stayed with me since then. All right, the 92 World Cup. So it's Deepak Patel that really got you and sort of thought, I've seen Deepak Patel there, I'm going to become a spinner. That's and it. I'm going to open the bowling for India one day. <laughs> if you've ever seen me bowl, you probably say I modelled myself on him. The straight breaks did work for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> they never turned any way. They just were straight breaks. Isn't that what we call the surprise ball? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that was my stock ball. Oh, stop <laughs> hey, so what do you guys do to earn a crust? Obviously, cricket, watching cricket, and talking about cricket <clears throat> doesn't pay the bills. So what do you guys do for earn a crust? So I'll start. And yeah, so me and my wife, we own and operate a nationwide online mortgage and insurance broking business. 
Um, so because we're online, it allows us to operate from anywhere we want. So we're in paradise in Fittyanger, and that's where we live. And um, basically, we serve clients nationwide, helping them with their mortgages and insurance. And if you want to get um, a hold of Rohit, just look up uh, Smart Brokers, I believe, Smart Brokers? Yep, smartbrokers.co.nz. That's our website. That's it. And uh, yeah. Taryn, yourself, what are you doing uh, when you have to fill your time in? Um, oh, as I started tapering away from uh, the playing field, I started um, moving towards sports administration. And I now work as a director of sport at Mount Roscoe Grammar School, as well as um, moonlighting as a director of cricket through the summer at Cumia Creek Club, which has been a fantastic um, opportunity for me to just kind of um, stay involved with the game at a competitive level as well as um, contributing at, the, at a community level. That answers that next question for you then, isn't it? Your connection to cricket currently, outside of Cumia and um, being a director of cricket there, are you doing anything else with cr uh, cricket in the community? Or no, no, not a lot. Other than um, through Cumu, we've got a few um, uh, avenues where we try and promote a lot of uh, community sport with on uh, ethnic uh, front, where there was a big push for integration through the within the ethnic group. So we, uh, with uh, Taz Sati, who uh, happens to own Taz Sports, he um, was the former director of cricket. So working closely with him, we've. Um, delivered quite a few initiatives that are targeted towards the South Asian immigrant uh, market. Yeah, that's that's very interesting, and that's one of the topics that um, you know we'll get into in the next few weeks. Actually, is um, uh, cricket in the community and and, and other tournaments or organisations outside of the norm, basically, because you're referring to Indo Kiwi cricket, one of the things I presume I assume there, and um, and then that's something that's not really a, a, a club, but it is a club. So we'll talk about those sorts of things in the weeks coming up. Uh, so to get away from cricket and to get away f to 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 get that mental um, men men mental freshness back, what do you guys do to relax? Me, I watch yeah, cricket. No. <laughs> 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 yeah, I watch cricket because um, I'm a fitty hanger. We get to go to the beach a bit. Uh, been learning to play the guitar for the last couple of years, which is still pretty crap, but um, still do a bit of that. And I, I'm into a bit of house and all sorts of types of music genres, so I like to have a good good old boogie at home. Uh, normally it's a party for one or sometimes two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got, I've got um, three young kids. They, they're a <clears throat> year old, a six-year-old and a four-year-old, so they tend to keep me busy. And my wife, um, she's on the road quite a bit, working for Air New Zealand, so um, the kids keep me pretty occupied. And my oldest boy is just starting to get into cricket. And yeah, just just being a dad and trying to make the most of it because there has been there have been times where I've been absent quite a bit, so it's been nice. Especially these last four weeks has been really good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Having two kids of my own, uh, I totally know what you mean. It's like getting that time that you can spend with them. Um, they drive you nuts, but you also love them and you like spending time oh, with them absolutely. as well. Yeah, they wouldn't be your kids if they don't drive you nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because everybody else thinks they're angels, don't they? Exactly. <laughs> they are, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, look, that, that's, that's the team that will bring to you a weekly edition of Swinging from the Hip every Thursday at 8 p.m. So make sure that you lock it into your calendars. Send your, send your friends out the invites as well to make sure that we get everybody from the cricket community dialing in to watch us and come in and bring your view as well. You can be a part of the show. Whatever platform you're watching are on, because this will actually stream out across multiple platforms, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. So there's multiple platforms that this is all going to go out across. So join us, drop us a comment, drop us a question, or simply say hi, just to let us know that you're there. And um, we'll see you every week here at 8 o'clock. Aaron, As mentioned, Aaron just commented about drinking. That's what cricketers do. That's the thing. That's chairmen. That's what they do, don't they? Ch yeah, chairman, drinking. Oh, is this like yeah? That's there. Uh, oh, look, we're having a beer at the meeting today. <laughs> uh, look, as I mentioned in the intro, our endeavour to you is to bring a view of cricket from a grassroots level. We've obviously got Tarun has uh, been a former Black Caps, but um, Rohit and myself, we're just your run of the mill average. 
um, Sunday league cricketers, for want of an English term there. Um, and we're just basically bringing our view of the game from the bottom up and how that can impact on um, the, the grassroots level of the games as well. Uh, the, the topics that we'll sort of be wanting to touch on, and we'll just see how the show progresses, obviously being the first one, we could be talking about training and practice techniques. So we could talk about news that's happening in the game right now, which we will to, 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 uh, do today. Discussions on the issues facing the game. We'll have a bit of a debate, and hopefully we get a bit of opposing views from, and we don't always agree on everything, which will make it a bit more interesting. And uh, we'll also try and get the odd guest in. Uh, just to pop in to talk to answer your questions, answer our questions, and just tell us a few interesting stories, maybe. And eventually, once we get the handle on our technology, what we hope to do is take a few live years, live calls and uh, answer a few of the questions for you that way. At the moment, just feel free to pop your comments into whether it's the comment section on Facebook or just the chat sessions on YouTube, or I'm not sure what you do in Periscope, to be honest. But that's enough waffle, otherwise soon I'll be asking you to turn your phones to silent and telling you where the toilets and the emergency exits are. Let's get into the issues, or let's get into so the news. We, we we need to know a little bit about yourself, Ashwin. I don't think we've heard anything. Oh, that, yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair just enough. let the call I, listeners hear a little bit about yourself. I, I grew up pretty much with a, a cricket bat in my hand as well. My, my, I'm, a, I'm the youngest sibling of three. So my brother um, obviously used me as a bowling machine until I got bigger than him. And then he got didn't want to play cricket anymore because I used to get him out all the time. But anyway, so yeah, I grew up with a um, cricket bat in my hand, cricket ball in my hand, or tennis ball, um, playing at the great WSCG, which was the White Swan Cricket Ground. Oh, nice really? long driveway. And then I went, made my way to Eden Ross School and um, had a bit of a break after playing club cricket and then went out and played um, Business House League in uh, Grafton. So that's, that's basically my playing career, nothing, any great heights. Um, and then I parked myself when my children allow me to um, in front of the TV to watch the odd game, which I like to do. So I think that that's sort of like basically me, um, I think, if I miss anything. No, that's enough about us anyway. Eh? Let's get into the topics. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Right, so very hard to sort of go through all the topics that are happening out there in the cricket world at the moment, isn't it? Well, not really, because the biggest factor in our game at the moment is a thing called COVID-19. It's affecting the whole world, and it's affecting cricket big time as well. In the news at, right at the moment is the ICC meeting to talk about scheduling of the international tournaments. So the three big tournaments at the moment, IPL, Men's T20, and the flow-on effects to the Women's 50 Over World Cup. Guys... What do you reckon? So I don't know if you've heard the plans and the ideas, popping the IPL through to October, men's T20 in Feb, and then not sure what they're going to do with the women's 50-over game. What do you guys think? Is that a good plan? Do you think you've got some some alternatives that they could look at? Well, I don't know if they've got a choice, do they? Not really. The way things are going, they haven't really got a choice. Um, the IPL is going to cost them a fair bit, <clears throat> I think. Well, it's probably going to hit a fair few players from going from X million to a few more million, a few more hundred thousands of dollars. But yeah, look, it's, um, it's a tough one because obviously India's locked down. Yep. Even if players can get out there, India's not open for business at the moment. So. No, that's right. And um, in fact, um, I just reported on the um, New, uh, New Zealand sports radio sports uh, morning briefing that um, Surigam Guli sort of saying he can't really see cricket starting anytime soon um, in India. Um, the government's just uh, um, sort of announced more lockdown or a longer lockdown. Um, Harbhajan Singh added to that the fact that, you know, how do you, how do you, how do, you do social distancing in India when a cricket team goes to an airport and doesn't matter what the government said, you're still going to get fans turning up at the airport. They're going to turn up outside the hotels. They're going to turn up outside the cricket grounds. They might not be allowed inside, but they'll still turn up. So, yeah, but then have you seen, Ash, have you seen those videos being circulated around how the police have been treating the locals? So I think they can maintain social distancing. Exactly. If there's anyone that can actually um, do social distancing or even shut down airports to allow teams to come in, it's probably them. So, do you, so in saying that, though, if we do push the IPL, so they're looking at utilising the T20 World Cup, the men's event, 
and shuffling that so that creates the window for the IPL obviously because the international players become available um do, do you think that that's a better option or do you think that IPL for 2020 version should actually be cancelled uh, what do you reckon look I, I think the players need to play cricket don't they and you need some you need some um, game time under your belt before you go and represent so somehow they're going to need to be able to get some form before a World Cup at least and have some knocks under the belt. That's yep. my feeling about it. And um, pushing the IPL out <clears throat> to when the World Cup was going to be held will at least give the players some opportunity to play some games and then lead up to the World Cup um, a few months down the track. Yeah, it affects the women's games, um, but we just need to move that further down the track a bit. But then the problem there is, obviously, in New Zealand, it's near the end of our summer season, really, isn't it, at the end of March, when they were going to have the International Women's Tournament. So it's it's a bit of a juggling act for them, really. But, yeah, look, um, I, 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 sort of, I think you're right there. I mean, but I, something I was thinking about today, just actually while I was watching the news um, before the show, and the fact is that because of our time zone differences, Obviously, with the Women's um, 50 Over World Cup, they would have obviously wanted to have some day-nighters. But to have the Women's World Cup to go ahead at the same time, maybe they forego the day-nighters and they say, okay, we're going to start at the 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. It means that the Women's 50 Over game is played. It's over um, before the games in Australia start. And you've got that nice sort of flow from the Women's World Cup. Mm. People are sitting down watching that and it flows into the um, men's T20 coming in from Australia, which won't be starting until 9 o'clock New Zealand time. So you, you're going to have about a two-hour gap between yeah, the women's uh, game finishing that. Is that start, too much cricket? If, no, oh, no, it's not too much cricket. But if you start games in New Zealand, so you're proposing New Zealand games, games scheduled in New Zealand time starting at 10, 11 o'clock, right? Yes. So that's 3 in the morning in India. Right, your broadcasting rights, your that's where it gets affected, which is why I think they like to have a later start. You would have yep. noticed when India was here recently, <clears throat> um, it was probably the only time you had Eden Park starting at eight o'clock or something. Normally, you know, you've got that right. um, early finish <clears throat> for the suburbs. Yep, they just to allow for the time difference to be manageable so they can get um, viewership out of India. But that'll be a bit of a challenge. Are we, is, is anybody in the group here aware? Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're not. But um, do we know what sort of viewership they're getting for women's cricket in India? Is, is it a, they're getting some good numbers there? Um, you know, it's, reporting out of numbers for women's cricket it might be a little bit like the COVID cases coming out of China. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, although that and saying that too though their their um international team didn't do too badly in the last um world cup that they had didn't they so we went to the final yeah yeah and yeah know, they must be growing over there at least the game for the the women's side of it there are some interesting articles though on the women's front i know i don't know if it was a captain or a senior player metali raj somebody commented saying one of their current players commented saying they're about five years behind Australia and England. I yeah, they believe they were five years behind Australia and England. It's interesting, isn't it? If they are five years behind Australia and England and they made it to the final of the T20, it's a bit scary for when they catch up then. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it would be interesting to see what kind of structures they have behind their national team. But obviously you've got the... Super League out of England, and you've got the Women's Big Bash in Australia, and we've got our own Super Smash as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know what exists in India, which is why they probably need that Women's IPL to start rolling forward. Yep, yep. And then they can basically start doing... Obviously, Australia, I think, they did last year, they had a couple of double headers where they had the Women's um, Big Bash and then the Men's Big Bash follow it. Um, yep. And then, obviously, over here, we've been doing that, and it's a good way to basically... Um, Get get people coming in to see two games for the price of mm. one, so to speak, isn't it? Though, have you have you watched any women's cricket? Consider. What's that, have you guys watched any women's cricket? Yes, I have. Yes, it's yeah. it's a good brand, eh? It's it's a different style of cricket, but it's, that it's, excitement of a live game is still there. Like, yes, it's look, a bit slower, it's it's different, but it's still a good brand of cricket. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Look, um, you, you're right. It's it's um, it's it's an emerging it's an emerging sport, really. Still, and 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 they're learning the game themselves in terms of at that level, in terms of um, what they can achieve. And I, I, because if you you go back a few years, and they would have just basically playing a pretty um, safe game, and now they're pushing the boat out there, especially when you see the likes of the Elise Healy, Elise Healy's, and um. And then the Perry's and the like over there, and our own Susie Bates, and obviously Sophie, Sophie Devine, Vitaly Raju. They've got a, um, players at the top, which they've really got great skill set. They've, you know, and it's just mm. a case of basically building that skill set right across the team so that you can have that intensity. But you're right about the live sport. Doesn't matter what the live sport is. If it's live, you don't know what's going to happen, and anything can happen. That's where that excitement level always is maintained. Absolutely. Um, and, and I guess the, um, like going back to where we were, it's, it's well, another thought potentially is why couldn't, like you're saying, just maybe somehow um, bring the woman's one forward possibly a month or so. Is that a potential option? It'll come down to obviously the um, country, like obviously within New Zealand, our um, our border control that will be put in place, and also for the countries that the teams are coming from, what um, border control policies um, those countries will have in place as well, I suppose. Taryn, what do you think? Well, if you were to bring it forward, though, I think it might just clash with what they already have in place for their own series, and it might even clash with the Super Smash. And with us being so small, the ground availability might be quite difficult. Yeah. Yep, yep. There's a, there's a lot of juggling accept, happening there, isn't there? Um, you, you're okay, right. I'm not in at the moment, there's a lot of, I mean, it's not just men's cricket that's been, you know, postponed, cancelled, tours, etc. We talked this morning again, uh, mentioned the Black Caps Tour of Ireland, which was uh, three ODIs and three T20s, um, has been can uh, postponed, not cancelled yet. Nothing gets cancelled at the moment. So, and um, a lot of the women's tours, like uh, New Zealand was, I think it was New Zealand going to Sri Lanka? Sri Lanka, yeah. Africa, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Um, and, and that's been postponed. And that was all warm-up games that we're going to be for mm -hmm. the 50 over World Cup. So you're right in the fact is that what we talked about with the men's game in terms of we don't want them going in cold into a World T20. I suppose the women don't want to go cold into their 50 over game as well. Yeah, true. That would be fair enough too. They wouldn't want to. They will get, they will get a good lead in though with the World Cups and stuff. Right? Every other country is in the same boat as us, right? Yep. So when Absolutely. the borders do open up, all the money they've saved here, well, not saved, but haven't lost yet, um, they will probably end up coming. All teams will want to come out here three weeks earlier, and mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if you end up seeing a quad tournament between the richer nations, England, Australia, New Zealand, and India probably play a quad in the lead-up to it. That's, that's right. I mean, and, and the fact is that that could actually help with helping to stage the tournament because if you do have border controls in place, we don't know. Let's say, like, we've got a situation like we have at the moment where they allow people to start coming into the country that aren't resident or citizens, but they say, you're going to have a two-week quarantine period. Now, with the cricketers, yeah. you could say, hey, yep, sweet, two-week quarantine period. They can still go out, obviously, because they're in their own little bubble. They go to train as a bubble. They come back to the hotel as a bubble. They don't have interaction until the two-week quarantine period is over, and then they're into it. And, um, did, you so see that, um, did you see the article? I think came out yesterday, this morning or yesterday, um, Australia are talking about, you know, the... 120 um, room facility in Adelaide, the Adelaide, Adelaide Oval, yep. the hotel. Yep. They're basically going to quarantine the Indians in there yep. and give them the quarantine period, training, set, the whole lot. Yeah. They're, they're talking ridiculous numbers in terms of what it's worth to them to have that series go. Yep. And then they're basically just discussing whether they have four tests or five tests all at yeah. the Adelaide Oval. And then it's an, on the back of that, um, Chris Wokes, uh, in an article on the Telegraph, um, was talking about the fact that the, it, something Rohit alluded to earlier um, with one of his comments is that the guys just want to go out there and play cricket. So if they can do some reasonable amount of quarantining, I mean, they're not going to they're not going to quarantine themselves for three or four months. But if they could do a quarantine of three, four weeks, even they'd be happy to do that. Um, if that means that they get to play international cricket. So it's definitely something that uh, a tool in the toolbox that could be utilised to get, whether it's tours happening, IPL, T20 World Cup, Women's 50 over, um, World Cup happening. That's a tool in the toolbox that could be utilised. Mm. 
So then it basically becomes it, – it, it sort of feels like it's something that's happening. What do you think? It, it's how, not how just a cricket team, though, eh? It's not just 16 cricketers coming across, though, and their management. It's There's an entourage of production teams, commentators, and they've all got to get quarantined as well. So there's a full – like another layer of staff that will be arriving, especially – if it's being broadcast into India or production productions done out of India. Mm. Well, actually that, that raises interesting with the broadcasting, obviously um, who's, who's got the rights to the uh, women's world cup. Is it sky that's got it? I'm not sure actually myself. So um, if it's sky, that's got it, you've got your broadcast, your technology mm. side of it taken care of. Then you're just bringing in your commentators. Again, they're going through a quarantine process, wouldn't they? And, and that's the logistics of everybody that's coming over the news reporters, all that sort of thing as well. As you say, the entourage with the teams, there's all the, um, there's all, so many others that come in with that uh, tournament as well that have to be yeah. catered for. That could be a good way to boost the um, tourism, tourism. Um, economy though. Just go, hey, look, you know, you're going to have to stay in our hotels for two weeks extra if you want to set foot into the country. Yep, that's it. That's it. Just keep it status quo. Yes, right. I just, uh, Paul's, Paul's popped in with a comment. Um, yeah, yeah, our, that. Our, our production manager here, um, who's uh, in the background that um, most of your viewers can't see. He's just mentioned that uh, commentators can do the commentaries remotely utilising um, products called, I think it's called Spork, that he mentioned. Um, do you think the commentators, uh, Tarun, you've just been dabbling in a bit of uh, commentary work yourself, <laughs> haven't you, with the old NZA tour? Um, the uh, summer gone. Um, so what do you uh, think? How would you feel? Uh, it was not so much a dabble, you know, when you don't get a second invitation back, I think it's just a failed avenue. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, um, it's, um, I, I think you've got to have that atmosphere, the feel of being at the ground for commentators. Maybe yep. for hunters like us, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, but for the the real commentators, they thrive. They're, they're a bit like players, aren't they? They thrive in that atmosphere and the, you get the best out of them when they're actually watching it live at the venue. Yep, yep. No, I'd, I'd agree with you there. I mean, like, obviously being just a, um, a, a, not just a backyard cricket player, but a backyard commentator as well, doing shows <laughs> um, <laughs> on the interweb. Um, I'd agree with you. I mean, like, we, we, we could sit there and we do, I mean, Occasionally you do this, especially with an eight-year-old son, you'll commentate on the game or whatever for a bit of laughs. But you, you do notice that you, you thrive off the uh, the vibe, the atmosphere in the um, ground itself um, as part of your commentary. And, and let's face it, who could forget a couple of the um, Ian Smith's um, commentaries recently, isn't it, at the World Cup, which we don't really want to mention too much. Um, yeah, and, and you know, and then um, just those last ball commentaries that he does, and it's just like, it's it's you couldn't. Um, I don't know how Ian Smith would go with those commentaries if he wasn't at the ground. The other thing is, though, as an armchair critic and you know sideline spectator, um, I like to get the build up to a match and hear the commentators report on the pitch. How are they going to do that if they're not there? You know, You're right. The old Tony Gregg putting Tony, the key into the ground. The and just, <laughs> you know, it might be, um, might be more work for New Zealanders, you know? Yeah. To put a key in the pitch? Yeah. <laughs> 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 you pay 500 bucks just to do but that. I was hoping we, you know, look, as the shows go on over the weeks and, um, you know, hopefully long, 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 um, life that we have with this show we want to have a bit of disagreement amongst our uh, panel so to speak so here's our first i hate build up i just want to sit down see that first ball being bowled it's just like because i just get to the point now with the same the build up seems to be cliched talk every before every match um so it's just like it's the same old same old but um obviously yeah. you've got a different view on it right i'm into the conditions no, but is it? Would you say yeah. it's same old, same old because it's the same people saying the same things because they've been trained to say so? Yeah. Or is it just that you don't bother with the builder? No, it's the same. No, it's the same people saying the same lines, you know, um, over and over again. It's just like, well, okay, if if you know, okay, you, you just say you get the pitch conditions, for example. Good digression here, but we get the pitch conditions. Most of us that watch cricket day in day out, once we get a pitch condition report, we know what the ball's going to do. 
or what we're expecting the ball to do anyway. And then they're going to tell us what the ball's going to do. And it's just like, well, tell us something a bit different from from left field about because yeah, you're, you're, you're hardcore, you're, you're cricket nut um, and your armchair critic, your regular armchair critic are going to know what you're going to say. So say something a bit different. It's, I, I think it's, it's not just cricket. It's, it's more about, you know, how green is the grass on top of the deck and um, how hard is it and things like that. Just so you know, as an armchair, to go, oh, if I win the toss, I'd be doing this. You want to know um, what the stump meter reading is. Yeah, yeah, and what the weather conditions are going to likely be for the next five days or whatever, the, however long the game goes for, right? Um, <laughs> just to get a feel. Uh, and then you'd be able to then make the call in your, in your armchair and go, oh, they should have batted first. Yeah. Because of this. <laughs> <laughs> you know? When, the, when there's 10 overs gone and they've got 60 on the board, it's like, damn, they should have batted first. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't bat first. Um, you know, that happened at the World Cup final a few years ago in Australia when everyone thought Brendan McCullum should have won the toss and then he decided to bat first. Everyone going, why did we bat first? Well, oh, hey, you got to bat first. It's the final. You've you got, got to bat, bat first. first. I agree. But we weren't in trouble. We were 130-odd for three in that final at, uh, at about the 30-over stage or somewhere, you know, probably a bit yeah. more than that. And it wasn't and until out, Mitchell eh? Stark. Yeah, Roscoe got out and... We just sort of 170, lost. I think it was 160-170 odd. I think it was there and there. We were in a great then. position in that World Cup final to score some big runs. Um feels like that scar hasn't healed. It hasn't. <laughs> it hasn't. <laughs> you know, I don't even want to bring up the last World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> you know? We're perennial blooming Subami finalists, and then we ended up to two World Cup finals, and yeah, maybe the third time lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, after yeah, the show. This goes, this goes to India, doesn't it? The next next World Cup is in Asia, I think. Oh, Wicked Keeper shouldn't a, have an opinion. Yeah, oh, thanks, Matt. Mate of his. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, Bart. Rohit's going to end up in a fetal position after the show anyway. He just got a drink ready there for him. Hey, look, yeah, and, yeah. Um, just so we'll, since we brought in a comment from the old chat room, we're just like, Ryan um, made Ryan Jenner made a view as Taryn. He's asking, "How's that next been going? Or have you taken up the wicket keeping?" Ah, oh, yeah, he's just having me on. Um, I I just had a um, I've had a couple of tears on my rotator cuff, so I didn't bowl oh, yeah. last year, and I wasn't yep. available for any cricket. So I just played um for the club side. And as you do, you try and kind of dabble into things that you always wanted to, but never quite could. So yep. um, we had a um. Well, our regular keeper was away. I just took the gloves, just just yep. for shits and giggles. Um, I borrowed some gear, and um, I got I think I had two stumpings, one through the gate off spinner, going through the gate Ooh. off Taz. Oh, beautiful! And then, and then a uh, left hander was batting as well, and I pretty much called it. I said, "Oh, he's itching or something along those lines." And next thing you know, he's charged and got spun out. So it was actually really good fun. So I ended yep. up keeping for about. Two or three games. Nice. Was, yeah. Nice. Oh, it saved me. It saved my knees from chasing any balls. So that was awesome. <laughs> How did the squats go then? Uh, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I've got a big bum, so I can just manage <laughs> the squats. Counterweight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, when you do eat and drink as much as I do, so you start putting weight in the lower half. So <laughs> it's, the best, it's the best job on the park, I reckon. Wicket keeping. You tell everybody tell what that catch comes your way. Hey. <laughs> tell that catch comes your way and you shell it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to shell it. That's the, that's the worst of it. What's what's the uh, like? You mentioned you pick up the, that um, stumping between bat and pad. That'd be one of the more difficult ones to take raw hit in terms of that ball coming back. You don't see it going between the bat and pad. Oh yeah, you're blindsided. Eh? That's tough to do. Yeah, bloody bloody well done there, Taryn. But uh, yeah, extremely extremely difficult. I mean. It, there's so much going on with the movement by the batsman and that, and you've got to keep your eye on the ball. And if you don't, you lose it, you're gone. And there goes some buyers. So, you know, um, the key to wicket keeping obviously is keeping your eye on the ball at all times. And sometimes you can get distracted by foot movement by the batters and so forth too, or a swing of the bat and you end up watching the bat and not the ball. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, a definite art to it, and um, I respect all the, all the keepers out there. I should. Um, you're a keeper. You have to. 
Absolutely. <laughs> That's why I'm putting one plug out there for us. <laughs> well, we'll take one more. We'll take one more question from the old um, chat room there before we head back towards our uh, discussion points. Um, Darren, your best memory from international cricket. Oh, it's really short-lived, so there's not a lot. So that's easy to remember uh, your, your best moment then. Uh, um, I think just, I don't know, um, getting my first wicket, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd say getting my first wicket probably. Tell us the details. Oh, I was against Zimbabwe, second... Um, Second ODI? Second game. Uh, yeah, second ODI. I played the first one in Whangarei. I got none for 50, I think. And then I played, I was lucky to get picked again in Napier. Bowled three overs. Brendan Taylor was pumping it. Absolutely pumping it. Like a million bucks um, yep. player. Yep. And then there was this phenomenal run out that took place as well. Like Colin de Granholm chased it all the way to long off. And then there was a... Uh, Relay throw to Malcolm Waller and then another throw to the keeper's end to Brendan McCullum and then there was an awesome run out. I just remember thinking, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then I had bowled three overs for about 18 and I thought, oh, this is it. That's my time done. I don't belong yep. here. This is bullshit. Like, um, yeah, I'm not good enough to be here. I'm not going to get another bowl. I'll get dropped and, you know, all these thoughts start running through your mind. Right your head. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's when you're standing at third man and the, the action's a long way away from you as well. And McLean Park, if you um, yep. remember, it's quite long, straight boundaries. It's the rugby yep. field, right? So you're a long yep. way away from the action. I thought it's all over. And to be fair, um, Brennan McCullum never needed to bring me back on, but he did. Mm -hmm. And then I got, I, then I bowled a really good spell, like a really, really good spell where I kind of Relaxed. felt I belong. Yep. So I just, bold because it was the last throw of the dice for me but yep the fact that he actually gave me a bowl i'm forever indebted to him for giving me yep. that chance he could have yep. his brother was playing in the same team he yep. hadn't got any yep. wickets either he could have brought him on but he mm. chose to give a new guy who he barely knew an opportunity so and then to be able to repay that fate that was pretty cool pretty nice oh awesome that's a nice story very good yeah. and he like he's an awesome captain though so yeah, look, uh, I, it's interesting when you're picking your teams these days, right? It happens quite often at the moment, but not a lot of cricket happening. A lot of people go around picking their teams. And I just sort of think, he, to me, um, having been through, when I look about, when I started following cricket, um, Jeff Health was the captain. So basically the captains that I've seen come through since Jeff Health as a captain. So you're really showing your age now, are you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm definitely the oldest by a long way here. <laughs> but um, I easily sort of think Brendan McCullum's the best captain we've ever had, simply because at the end of the day, when things were going badly, he'd change it. He'd put it on its head because making a slight tweak here, slight tweak there wasn't going to make a difference. You needed to go and get well, his favourite sport, right? Or favourite thing to do, gamble, right? Throw a gamble, throw the dice, and see what it's going to de um, deliver. And most of the time, unfortunately, not in the World Cup final, but uh, most of the time, it it, it um, paid dividends for him, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, I have to rate him right up there. I mean, Stephen Fleming, he had um, he had a good run as a captain for New Zealand as well. I feel, uh, especially with some of the teams that he ended up playing with. You know, they weren't the best. Um, capable guys comparatively to what was around in the world cricket at the time, but he got the best out of his players. So it's a different type of captaincy again there, whereas, you know, McCullum, he's revolutionised some of the games in the one day, especially one-day cricket in T20, with the way he captained the team. Um, and a lot of the other teams around the world saw that and started to emulate that as well. And I feel, you know, look at, I can't think of the guy's name at the moment from England. Uh, one of his Morgan. mates there, Morgan. Yeah. He sort of started um, taking those sorts of gambles too, I feel just yep. because oh, of I, what um, McCullum had done. I think, I think you're right there in terms of the fact that um, uh, I'm going to, oh, geez, Ian Morgan, um, you know, mates with Brendan McCullum and you can't help but think that um, he picked up a lot from Brendan McCullum in terms Absolutely. of, you know, to mix it up, not just yeah. to keep it going the same. Don't rely on the fact that something, even when something's working for you, you got to change it up because if you keep it the same, um, you know, players are going to, the opposition's getting used to it and uh, you want to change it. Just just um, before we carry on, um, 
just to, to, to Bart out in the chat room, Tane should be in bed. It's 8.30. Tell him it's his bedtime. And if he wants to grow up to be a, a rugby player or a cricket player, he needs to get good sleep. <laughs> What's he doing? He's a, one of the boys in my rugby team that I coach. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, like the old formula, you used to keep your best two bowlers till the last 10 overs in one day cricket, right? And, and typically we opening quicks kept till the end. But then McCullum comes along and goes, why do I need to keep them? I've got a wicket. Let's get another one and bring the attack yep. back on. Uh, we oh, don't want, need to make this game go to the 50th over. We can try and fire them out before that. Well, it's, it's, um, I, I, you guys will be familiar with this term, but I, I heard it when Dr. John, who's um occasional um, doctor to the Black Caps, um, mentioned it. This is like one gets two, two gets three. So if you've got a wicket, you want to pile on, don't you? You just want to carry on that momentum and um, pick up those wickets as they are falling. Oh, cricket's a funny game. It does that, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, we've, we've got, digressed a bit off the old discussion around the um, tournaments in the IPL. So I, I suppose it sounds like going back to that topic, we, we sound like we're in agreement that the IPL, from our point of view, needs to go ahead in October, World Cup in sort of February, and then they need to look at how they handle their women's tournament. We um, say we're agreed on that? or why, why are they moving October? Uh, so the reason, my, my view on this, not, not necessarily what I've heard from them, my view on this is the fact is that if you think about it, the IPL is supposed to be played now. It's supposed to be ending right now. They've created a, a, a close enough as much as they can window for the top players in the world to be available at this time to play in the IPL in the big yep. bucks, yeah, yeah. right? Yep. If the IPL is not played now, when do you play it? whereas you're not going to affect already organized tours and have those players available. Now, the best time you could do that is the T20 World Cup because those players would have been at the World Cup, T20 World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I'm sort of thinking they've gone with um, October with that. And then basically with the um, T20 and Feb, I'm sort of thinking they've realized what's the soonest time frame we can hold the you, T20 World Cup. You know... You realise there's another T20 World Cup next year, eh? Enlighten us. Enlighten us. There is there is two T20s over the next 18 months. There's the one coming up in October. Yes. And on the back of that, there's another one in India, I think, in August, September. So Which, you'd end there... up with two in the space of six months. Are they both of the official World Cup or the World, or World Champions World League? League. It's just the way, no, it's just the way the cycle fell through, I think. And when oh, okay. they scrapped the Champions Trophy, they had to fit it in. And mm -hmm. it's just the way it fell this time around in the cycle. Right. So they will have two World T20s. So they're going to have to bump that then, obviously. They're not going to want to have two in six nah, months. they're though. not going to bump in India. Mm -hmm. That's the other one. So you're going to have six, two in six months. Or they, so they, they, they probably did have one a year apart. Previously, it did feel like they did. I, I, I yeah, I'm not. Yeah. When you mentioned the one in India, um, I wasn't too surprised to be honest because I do remember a while ago, um, uh, there seemed to be like, geez, these World Cups seem to be happening everywhere, uh, every year. Sorry, <laughs> that'd be a short reigned um, world champion, wouldn't it? Six months, <laughs> that'd be a fantastic pub <laughs> quiz night question, wouldn't it? <laughs> Who's the shortest lived T20 world champion? <laughs> Unless they go back-to-back, uh, back, obviously. Well, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I, I hope, I really hope they do get to play it in October. I really, uh, yeah, it'll the be IPL? awesome. The IPL? No, no, the World T20. The World T20. What's, what's your, what's your um, how do you get the players warmed up for the T20 World Cup so that you know that they're coming in at the top of their game? They've had that time out in the middle, the great word, you know, the great term, the time out in the middle. To be to make sure that they're effective when they get to the World Cup. Well, look, you can't. Uh, you've got to live within your landscape. So, someone like New Zealand will probably go over to Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast, go to Queensland, go train. Probably organised to go to the Allen Border thing. Hopefully, by then there's an Australasian bubble allowed anyway, so they probably won't need to quarantine. They can go their build up. India will probably pay its way to go into a similar thing. They could easily go to Western Australia, which is close enough for them. England, again, they've got the money to do it. It's the lesser countries that will probably struggle, but then they've got enough 
where I think they probably struggle is, yes, they can train at home, but they can't replicate the conditions. Yes, they can organize their own, get matches, practice matches and all that. If you're training out in the Caribbean, it's probably not like a Melbourne wicket. Is it, is it fair to say, though, because of what they tried to achieve with World T20, is the fact that the, the, the um, pitches are going to be basically roads and the, the variation will be in the bounce? So basically, you know that you go to Perth, you, I mean, like, Perth's a little bit different these days to the old Wacker, but, um, you know, you're going to get a bit more bounce if you go out to Perth versus you go to Sydney, and it's going to be a road, but it's going to be staying a little bit lower. Yeah. So you'll be going onto the back foot in Perth, onto the front foot hitting sixes in uh, in Sydney, and just having that slight adjustment. Well, yeah, yeah. it's the pace. The pace will be different, though. Will, Even will now, we? Yeah, even, I, I think so. I've not played around the world at all, not on those kind of wickets, but you just want to think, compared to New Zealand, listening to the guys talk, we perceive New Zealand, like, as domestic players, we think, oh, this is a good wicket to play on when we play domestically. Yep. But that yep. same wicket that a an overseas player would think it's a bit trickier for him because our ball just kind of probably just holds up a little, per se. Yep. Yep. Right? Just, mm. just kind of stops and then comes on. It's still flat. In Australia, it's got the nice steeple bounce, possibly. Yep. Yep. You know, in India, it doesn't get up over a knee high, and it comes <laughs> at nice. No, but it gets comes yep. through at a really good pace. Yep. Right. Yeah. So there, there are subtle variations, I think, and that's where Australia will probably have the advantage of home conditions. Mm, mm, mm. Right. You want to so, add something? To that's that? always a tough place to go to Australia, isn't it? Um, for any touring team at the best of times. Um, so if if your international teams haven't had a good build up and lead in, into a World Cup, how are they going to perform? You know, um, we just saw our poor black caps get pasted yep. over there recently, and that, you know, and you don't become number two in the world if you're not a good team. Um, however, you know, we, we just, yeah, absolutely, it's a prep. They need to have yeah, absolutely, yep. and that's what did us, didn't it? Yeah, and it again, it, it's got that feeling about it. You're going into a World Cup without preparation. That's gonna. Um, that, that could have an impact on the World Cup itself too, because you. It's going to help. It's going to help Australia have one hand on the cup, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I, no, I mean, like you know, I suppose they're having another lovely digression here. One of my pet topics, or you know, rants, is, is, is our last tour to Australia, and it's just like I just felt that the management sold us up the river um, with what they organised. You know, even. Yeah, Jet Raval was sitting here. He wasn't really playing the 50, ga 50 over game for Auckland. And it's just like, why wouldn't you have said to him or arranged for him to go over early? Like Martin Crow did back in the day. He did this. He went over. There was a tour of Australia coming up. He went over there and he played a month of cricket in Australia for a tour that New Zealand was going to be made. So we could have done stuff like that. And really, it comes back to that preparation. You know, you're going out to Perth. It's going to be hot. Let's, yeah. We expect our players to acclimatise within a week. And that's a really good example for this scenario. If we're going to be playing in Australia summer and with climate change, you know, things are getting hotter. Those players have to acclimatise, get over there and acclimatise. They've got to play in those conditions, don't they? It's yeah. money, though. It's money. It, kind of, it all comes down to money. We don't have the same amount of money that England does. If, if you track how England turns up to an Ashes, yes, and the oh, lead up to an Ashes series, in the lead up to an Ashes series, the Lions, t Lions B, which is the England A side, turn up probably six months out or three months out. They'll have a full stint. They'll send their tier twos and whoever else that needs time in Australia, they'll send them there. They'll then follow that up by having, holding on to half a dozen bowlers from their A team to just service them in the nets. And all that adds up. It's, you know, they'll fly their partners over the, the full, the whole show. Yeah, Whereas yep. we don't have that luxury. We could no. have done it. Well, yes, yeah, we could have done it if we really, really wanted to. But then, you know, it's you're doomed if you do, doomed if you don't, because some person will jump on the website and go, oh, look, you know, they should be out here playing first-class cricket. What are they doing? Just um, on a holiday for three weeks, the first test is not for how long. 
You know what's the net? Because net's going to do. Hey, can you just stop being the voice of reason? I suppose there is the element that there's the cost involved, but I, I suppose the you want to maintain the quality of the T20 World Cup. It doesn't us that does bring us to an interesting point again with a, a question that, that's been raised in the in the chat room in terms of. You know, Glenn Turner, the likes of Glenn Turner, who saying, "Is there too much T Twenty cricket?" Um, we're talking about obviously a bit more T Twenty cricket if you're going to come up to a World Cup, so that the players have um, really tuned to the game and are really um, at the top of their game, as I mentioned before. Do you think we're having too much T Twenty, or do you think it's just? I mean, like Tarun's mentioning money. Really, let's face it. It's it's money that's forcing what form of format a game is getting yeah. paid, but doesn't mean that we can't sort of say that it's too much T20. Uh, look, um, I'm a purist, and I'd sit there for five days to watch a test match. I don't, you know, you can't beat test match cricket in my view. And I know T20 brings the dollars in, but if you lose test match cricket where the game is really played on the field, um, that is cricket. That would just break me. Yeah, it is what you call cricket, right? I mean, you know, Jesus, Aaron, just back in the day. So, <laughs> just um, on that Glenn Turner comment Aaron's made, um, or was that the other day when I know on oh, TV he's made one, it Glenn, Turner, Glenn Turner was on TV one just about three or four days ago. I think he was talking about the challenges COVID's bringing or something along those lines. I yes. wonder if it was then. Oh, I know but, that um, he has made that previously, though. I mean, like this was a few years ago, in fact. Yeah. Um, I, I Look, I don't know if he's talking about international T20 because there isn't a lot of international T20. There's a lot of pop-up cricket T20 cricket around the world. Yep, a lot of um, PLs. Yeah, just pop-up <laughs> leagues yeah. here, there, and everywhere that come through and go. But that's, but that's just trading the way. Like, you know, you've got to – it's almost your icing on the cake. You've got to get into those, get paid while it's hot, and then – Go back to playing the international cricket. Well, but, talking of getting talk, talking of getting paid, you know the numbers we're talking about here. You know, um, obviously in a bit of preparation for this today's show, we, we actually did a bit of digging and and looked at. I mean, you know, Black Caps players what they stand to lose if the IPL doesn't go ahead. Um, I'll just read through the players and and what they've been signed up for with their teams. So you got Lockie Fuka. These are US dollars, by the way. So um, a bit more than the New Zealand peso. So we've got Lockie Ferguson and right Knight Riders. He's at 225k. Uh, Mitchell McLennigan, again, again, uh, at 140k. Trent Bolt with the Mumbai Indians. He's, he's at 450k. Uh, and Kane, William, Kane Williamson, Sunrisers Hyderabad. I think he's there with David Warner, but he's only on 420k. That helps cool. out with the mortgage down in Tauranga. Um, and then Mitchell Satner, um, Chennai Super Kings. On just a, a measly 70k. Now remember, this is for what two and a half, three months of work. Six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks. Six weeks six of work. Weeks. <laughs> six weeks in the two-week leader quarantine. I don't know if is, is that enough. Well, pay-wise. Yeah. Oh, you know, biggest. I don't know. I I mean, I wouldn't be able to do my job on the uh, swinging, swinging from the hip if um if I'd taken. I thought you were just going to pause at swinging. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those, so those are the numbers that we're talking about of players and the impact to their pockets if the IPL doesn't go ahead. Yeah. And then, I mean, I, I suppose what we mentioned, you know, what you say with Glenn Turner, yeah, and Aaron did say it is from that interview that you met, it referred to as well from a few days ago. Um, too much T20, but if you don't have the T20, the players aren't getting the bucks because that's where the bucks are coming from for their pockets, as we can tell from that list that I've just read out. Yeah, I mean, actually, Rohit, I've got a question, right? You're you're into the brokerage world. How many? How likely are these big boys, cricketers and professional athletes? How likely are they to have income protection, and will they be covered out of this? Wow, that's a good question. Professional sports players are typically hard to insure anyway, um, so you'd you'd be struggling to get. Yeah, unless there's some specialist cover that's out there for them, which you you know 
I work in the mum and dad field, so I don't work with professional sports players to to know the answer outright for it. But I believe they do come up with their own particular uh, insurance packages for them. Oh yeah, okay. So they, yeah. they should really be. They probably are most likely covered. Yeah, but then that's that's um when you're talking about income protection from that point of view, it's only uh, due to a disability or, or ailment being an illness. Or so injury. it's not due to missing out you know, injury, right? It's not to do with missing out on your pay because you can't play. In talking to a few people that have um, uh, business continuity type insurance, um, you know, some of them, not all of them, I can't say for all of them, but I know some of them have been turned down on their application at this time under that cover because it's been termed as an act of God. And so they said, you're not covered. So mm-hmm. I, I suppose even when they do sign up, uh, it'll be almost like it'll be an individual purpose-built policy for them. And then yeah. they've got to look yeah. at, okay, what's going to be covered under what conditions and when and all that sort of thing. And obviously the more risk associated with the policy, the higher the premium is going to be. That's right. Again, it doesn't affect the player. I, 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 you can correct me if I'm wrong. The, the player doesn't play the, pay the premium. It's the club. That the signed with that pays for that agreement, or how's that work? Do you know, Taryn? Um, I think no. I think these kind of things. Uh, I don't know how it works in that and uh, within that space. But in the past, when it kind of players like myself have looked into it, it's been more you as an individual, you're self-employed, or you're operating under your company's name. You get it upon yourself. So you you nominate a dollar value yeah. of X. I stand to earn X amount of dollars through the course of this year. And like Rob pointed out, and if I am to be injured, like ACC cover plus extra. That's right. If I am then injured, I will then be paid 80% off 100K or 150 or 50, 60, whatever that might be. So you have an agreed amount. And I'm, I'm guessing at an income protection level, you do the same thing, but your premiums are just quadrupled because you're covering yourself for half a million bucks or more. Yeah, would that be right? It's a larger sum of money that you're dealing with there to the everyday mum and dad income, you right? yeah. So that you know, it is a different specialist field for an insurer, absolutely. For but they're done on a levels of cover, and they're mm. done on an individual basis rather than here's a policy that you pull off the shelf, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to yeah. just to answer Bart's um, question in the in the chat room around the. Uh, cricket wage subsidy that so the wage subsidy that New Zealand government's handing out um, I believe New Zealand cricket did um, get something there uh, I think I saw their name in a list of organized sports organizations um, New Zealand rugby um, warriors um, etc that um, I think I saw I could stand to be corrected but I believe I did see New Zealand cricket there that um, as a wage that put their hand up for the wage subsidy as well oh yeah I could be wrong. This is like, yeah, happy to be corrected. So I know, if, you, Australia, if you think I'm wrong, I mean, just put it into the old chat room there. Cricket Australia just got rejected from getting their employees on the way in the job seeker. Oh, okay. For profit, for their like for profit organization or something, because yep. their CEO's article show, um, talks about him working out a deal with um, Woolworths or one of the supermarkets right. to get some of the employees in there. Yep. Actually, yeah, yeah. it's funny. With you saying that, with what you just said, I could well be wrong on the New Zealand um, cricket front. The reason being is that you had to show a loss of earnings comparable to the previous month uh, last year um, to um, ju- um, to qualify for the wage subsidy. Well, they won't because India just turned up. Yeah. It, it, well, the other thing is that the cricket, our cricket season's winding down and it's not cricket. So... If there's no cricket going on, they wouldn't have had an income derived from it necessarily. And so, yes. you know what I mean? Well, our yeah, tours yeah. got cut short, didn't they? know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> our tours got cut short, didn't they, with Australia? So that's your yep. lost income there. Now, you've lost that income and you've got to pay all these administrators and that. Where does that money come from? But right. it's, it's so, what it's comparable. So that income was lost, but... Yeah. What income did they um, achieve in the same month last year? If if there was no tours or nothing happening last year and there was no income, then the fact that they've lost this means that they still had last year. You didn't make anything anyway, so it would have just been a bonus that you were getting this year. Yeah, but then uh, they could have potentially hosted someone like a Sri Lanka or a Bangladesh, right? Mm-hmm. And that would be that would have run at a loss anyway. 
<laughs> yeah. no, no, I'm not taking the first. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, and I said the, the weight subsidy, as Paul, uh, Paul's just um, put a note through, would have been for backroom staff and admin staff only. It that's wouldn't right. have been for the players. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's what I would have thought. That's why I thought that, you know, they would have applied for the subsidy for that fact um, that they've missed out on that potential income. Mm. Yep. Uh, well, hey, always... uh, it, is, it is public yep. record. Sorry, say that again. One, it, it is public record. I'm pretty sure people that yes. have applied and companies yes. you can actually research online. And find you can research. Out who it. Has. Yeah. Hey, don't 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 tell the people that we haven't done our research, man. Ah, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, first well, show and all. We've got to... <laughs> I'll tell you what. I mean, like we're coming up to our um, coming up to our hour of our show, sort of thing, and obviously uh, peak peak listening time, so to speak. Um, We've got one question I think we'll finish off with that's just come through in the old chat room. Taryn, we're going to get a few questions obviously coming through for your international career and the, um, <laughs> the experience here. Who was who the best coach that you played under, mate? Is, that, is, uh, is Nick, Nick? Nick wasn't a previous coach of yours, was he? Nick? I, um, he, uh, he's quite selective with who he coaches. So, um, yeah, no, no, I never made the cut. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Look, I've, I, yeah, I've been around long enough to have played under a variety of coaches and they all have awesome skill sets, you know. Um, Mark O'Donnell gave me my first shot, so forever grateful for that. Um, Gareth Hopkins gave me my last shot. So everyone in between, you know, they've, you know, they all kind of impact on your life in one way or the other. So I can't really pick one over the other, but Mark O'Donnell um, for that, again, picking me out of the club space and Gareth Hopkins for giving me an opportunity to kind of continue playing. How about in your formative years in terms of like when, you know, schoolboy cricket, is there anybody that sticks out in your mind saying, yep, this was the guy that sort of like really had an influence on my, my cricketing game? Uh, if you've seen me bowl, you'd agree that I haven't been coached by anyone. It's very street. <laughs> <laughs> very backyard uh, tape, yeah, tape on half yeah, of yeah. yeah. Um, nah. Yeah. I, I think... Tony Sal was very good to me when mm -hmm. I first moved here. Um, there was a, yeah, oh, yeah, again, it's just there's so many changes and people have come in and out. Like, I know a good friend of mine, Darren Eckford, he was very good when I was going through some tough times uh, technically on a bowling front. He was a biomechanical specialist and he helped me get back out of a funk really quickly. And he was, like, phenomenal with his knowledge of the uh, biomechanics of the game and stuff. So there's different people at different times. Yeah, great, great term there, the biomechanics, becoming a big part of the game these days, isn't it? In terms of like, I mean, my, my son's only eight, and it's just like you, you're learning from the biomechanics and and um, you know, how you, if you, a bad technique can not just a for, um, um, cause a problem with your performance, but actually cause you an injury or something further down the pro line if you don't solve it now. So biomechanics. I'll, 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 um, I'll challenge you on that on the next round. If we, next yeah. time you bring it up, I actually challenge you just for argument's sake. Um, I'm happy with that because I've got an injury that we're resolving at the moment and it's taking a bloody long time. <laughs> anyway, look, guys. Hey, look. Thanks for being on the show tonight and um, look forward to having you back again next week. Um, everybody in the chat rooms, look, Thanks for turning up to our first show. It's been a bit nervy for the three of us um, having a go at this for the first time. Um, I've, I've, I've been a guest on other shows, but I've never hosted myself. Uh, Taryn and Rohit being guests for the first time on a cricket show, wondering, what are we going to talk about for an hour? The hour's flowing by. Um, if Really appreciate it. Whatever platform you're on, if you can hit those like buttons, hit those share buttons, hit the bell and the old um, YouTube and the like. And... Um, We'll see you again next week, three o'clock. Uh, three o'clock, eight p.m. on Thursday. Eight p.m., not three. Eight p.m. on Thursday. See you then, and thanks for viewing. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.